0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Susan Deniker, with the law firm of Steptoe & Johnson PLLC in West Virginia. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are connecting with two of our members in Mississippi, I'm so excited that joining us on the program today are Robin Bank-Taylor and Mackin-Johnson, attorneys with the law firm of Butler Snow. Just last week, Robin and Mackin authored articles about two pieces of important new legislation in Mississippi. First, Mississippi's governor signed a bill that bans workplace vaccine mandates for public employers, and he also signed into law the state's First Equal Pay Act. We've got lots of things to talk about today, and I'm so excited that we have such wonderful experts on our program. Robin and Mackin will be updating us on these important legislative updates and what they mean for employers in Mississippi. Robin and Mackin, welcome to the program. How are you both doing today? Hi, Susan. Doing well. Happy to be here.
1: Hi, Susan. Good here. Thanks for asking.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's dig in because we've got some important stuff to talk about, and I know our listeners want to hear about it. So Robin, I want to start off with you and put you on the spot. Talk to us a little bit about this bill, which bans vaccine mandates for public employers in the state of Mississippi. Can you tell us some background about the bill and what it does?
2: Yes. So on April 22nd, Kate Reeves signed the bill banning public institutions and agencies from discriminating against people based on their COVID vaccination status and whether the employee or the person has an immunity support. I think that it's important to know that the ban on COVID vaccines are focused singularly on public institutions, so that ban will not impact private employers. But it is more expansive in that it deals with all public access, employment, and children for educational purposes. There is a piece of it that does apply to both public and private employers, and that would be the religious exemption for those employees who have uh, sincerely held religious objection to the COVID vaccine. The statute or the bill states that the employer shall not require them to take the vaccine.
0: So, Robin, we've seen this in some legislation in other states that either you know ban vaccine mandates completely, which this statute does for public employers, but also have implications as it relates to sincerely held religious beliefs. Thanks for the clarification that that's going to apply to both public and private employers. Talk to us practically about what that means for employers.
2: Yeah, so when it comes to that piece that addresses both public and private, it's really just specific for a sincerely held religious objection. And so When it comes to your state employers, really there's going to be a ban on vaccine mandates. So other than those state employers who are specifically exempted from the bill, they really should not have to address those religious exemptions. Now, for those private employers and those state employers who are exempted, it really does create a wrinkle in addition to Title VII's religious exemption in that the bill uses mandatory language of shall not require an employee to be vaccinated, but at the same time doesn't really expressly refer to or state what would be traditional employer defenses to having to apply that religious exemption, that that would be an undue burden on the employer. And so that really is an open question, I think, on how that would apply. So I think it creates kind of an added issue for those employers who are dealing with those religious exemptions.
0: That's a really interesting point, Robin, because now employers in the state of Mississippi have to not only make sure they're meeting their obligations for religious accommodation under Title VII, but they're also going to have to look at the state law. And it sounds like they may not play together as easily as employers would like. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I
2: think that's fair to say. The bill tracks Title VII's language of sincerely held religious. The bill uses objection, and typically that's in Title VII, that's a belief. But the fact that there's no discussion about exemptions or an undue burden, I think, really does or may cause an issue.
0: We'll be on the lookout for how this gets interpreted, because I'm sure that somebody's going to challenge that, and then we can get Robin back to tell us about it. But in the meantime, Robin, you mentioned that not all state employers are covered by the vaccine bill, which bans vaccine mandates. So tell us which employers, which public employers are exempted under the legislation.
2: Yeah, so the new law, it provides exemptions for public health care facilities, and it would be those public health care facilities that are exempt because following the bill would violate a rule or guidance from the Centers for Medicare or Medicaid Services or the CDC. As you might be aware, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services vaccine mandate has survived a number of legal challenges, and they currently require COVID-19 vaccination of healthcare workers at certain CMS-covered facilities and that would be subject to those religious and medical exemptions. So those public entities that are covered by the CMS mandate would be expressly exempt from Mississippi's ban on COVID vaccination mandates. And also the bill does clarify that those healthcare facilities that are asking employees what their vaccination status is in order to implement reasonable accommodation measures that that would not be a violation of the bill. And then it also states that those public employers who are simply recommending that an employee receive a COVID vaccination, that that would not be a violation of the bill.
0: Robin, there's certainly a lot to know with regard to this new legislation. So it's really helpful that you've gone through some of the elements of the bill. With that in mind, can you give our listeners some takeaways for best practices moving forward if they're in Mississippi and need to be following this legislation?
2: So I think that for those public employers, the direction is very clear. Vaccination mandates are not permitted unless you're expressly exempted from the bill. And then for the rest of those employers, both public and private, I think when it comes to those religious exemptions, I think that you need to travel very, very clearly. And I think the last thing that I would state about that is that if you are a private employer, you can still have a vaccine mandate for COVID vaccinations. Just in that area for religious exemptions, that can just be a little bit more troubling.
0: Robin, thank you for your insights into this new law. I think that that's really helpful guidance for both public and private employers. I want to make sure that we get Macken in the hot seat here, too, because he's got some important legislation to talk about. Mackin, you're going to tell us about Mississippi's first Equal Pay Act. What does that legislation entail?
1: That's right. Thanks, Susan. And thanks to the ELA for giving us an opportunity to talk about these new laws. So the new Mississippi Equal Pay Law, it's titled the Mississippi Equal Pay for Equal Work Act. For those of you who love an acronym, it's MEPEWA, which sounds like something that you'd see or or hear in Mississippi.
0: MEPEWA, okay, I'm going to work on
1: that. It's very Mississippi. It gets back to our roots. But that law will be effective July 1st. And what it does is prohibits employers from paying employees of one gender less than it would pay or more than it would pay of the opposite gender for equal work. And the statute defines equal work is work that requires the same skill, education, and responsibility, and work that's performed under similar working conditions. What the law does help with employers is that the law doesn't apply to pay differences that are because of a seniority system or merit system or a system based on production quality or production quantity. One unique part of this law is it codifies any other factors other than sex, which is, is something that's kind of arisen out of federal law, hasn't necessarily been adopted in the Fifth Circuit yet. But what it does is it allows employers to look at factors other than sex when they are determining pay. And so they might look at employment history or continuity of employment, um, the competition for the employee services or uh, the employee's attempts to negotiate what their pay is going to be. And in a nutshell, that, that's what this law boils down to.
0: And that's really interesting. You talked a little bit about law that has come out of the Federal Equal Pay Act. Talk to us about how the state act is different than the Federal Equal Pay Act.
1: Sure. So so overall, the state act is very similar to the federal act. The federal act applies to all employers since it's an extension of the, the Fair Labor Standards Act, whereas the Mississippi law only applies to employers who have five or more employees. Also, one one big difference is that the Mississippi law only protects full-time employees. So the statute says it's it's employees who work 40 or more hours a week. But the reality is that both laws, the big similarity is that they both protect gender-based pay disparities. From a procedural perspective, one big difference in the Mississippi law is it does not allow employees to recover punitive or liquidated damages, whereas the Federal Equal Pay Act allows you to recover liquidated damages which is double an award of double damages. The Mississippi law by statute is going to use federal precedent when looking at how this is going to operate legally and it's also interesting that the Mississippi law expressly gives way to the Federal Equal Pay Act so you can't bring claims under both laws at the same time. If you were to try to do that then the Mississippi, statute requires you to dismiss and abandon your state claim. So I, I think that the federal Equal Pay Act is still going to be the main mechanism that employees use.
0: So Mac, and I'm going to ask you what I asked Robin. What are the takeaways for employers in Mississippi as it relates to the new Equal Pay Act? And I won't remember your acronym, but if you want to give it to us again, I know everybody wants to hear you say it again.
1: Well, I mean, under MEPIWA, I don't think employers should really be that concerned about the new law. It's protections that already exist under federal law. The biggest change that employers might see, and this is something that that Robin and I deal with as lawyers, if you have an Equal Pay Act claim, that's federal law. You can remove it to federal court on federal question jurisdiction, whereas now that there's a state equal pay law, if the employee wants to file a case in state court, you wouldn't be able to the employer would not be able to remove it. And so I guess depending on where you are, I think most practitioners would probably agree they'd rather be in federal court than in, in state court in Mississippi. But I found it doubtful that a lot of employees will bring claims in state courts simply because the option for liquidated damage is in there. So if I was an aggrieved employee, I think I'd still be operating under the federal law.
0: Those are really interesting insights, Mackin, especially as it relates to the damages available, but also that the coverage of the act is only for full-time employees, which will limit some employees in being able to make claims if they don't meet that 40-hour a week threshold. Well, Mackin, thank you for your insights. And also thank you for coining Mepewa, which remember you heard here first on an ELA podcast, Robin and Macken. This has been a great conversation today. I know it's been informative for our listeners, and I know it's going to help employers in Mississippi as they navigate two new important pieces of legislation that have just been passed there. Thank you both very much for your time.
1: Thanks, Susan.
0: Thank you, Susan. If you would like to connect with Robin and Mackin, please click on their bios and the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Susan Deniker. Thanks so much for listening.